ANA Champions of Growth podcast. I'm Matthew Schwartz. The Graying of America goes on. According to the AARP, the 50-plus population will rise to 132 million Americans by 2030, and the population has deep pockets, dropping $8.3 trillion into the economy in 2018, which will more than triple to $26 trillion by 2050. The numbers are accompanied by dramatic changes in aging. Just look around you. As people well into their 60s, 70s, 80s, and even their 90s lead active and productive lives. But too many companies seem stuck in time and skew most of their investments targeting the 18 to 49 demo. When they try and appeal to the 50 plus crowd, marketers often traffic in stereotypes and default to catchy but unrealistic ad campaigns touting 60 as the new 30 and 70 as the new 40. To be sure, some brands are flipping the script and creating nuanced and thoughtful ad campaigns that more accurately reflect the reality of aging. But they seem few and far between, with miles to go before marketers catch up to older consumers. Here to talk about why ageism persists in the advertising industry and why brands need to change their tune is Michael Clinton, special media advisor to the CEO of the Hearst Corporation and former president and marketing and publishing director of Hearst magazines. He's the author of Roar into the Second Half of Your Life Before It's Too Late and a columnist for Men's Health. He's also a member of the Advisory Council at the Stanford University Center on Longevity. Michael, welcome. So great to be with you, Matthew. As always, thank you for having me. Mike, let's get right to it. Your latest article for Esquire is titled, Stop Complaining About the Gerontocracy. Older People Are More Vital Than Ever. And in the article, you quote a marketing industry observer saying, quote, it's shocking how far behind the marketing and media world is with regards to keeping pace with the dynamic growth of the 50 and older consumer who is reshaping the purchasing landscape. And for an industry that prides itself on being forward thinking, marketers are completely backwards with regard to this phenomenon. Pretty stark assessment there. Why does ageism still persist in marketing and advertising, Michael? It is a great statement that I got from this particular industry observer because the industry is stuck in an old construct that was created, quite honestly, when the boomers were younger and the youth culture was created and the population mix was completely different than when it is today. While it's always important to target youth because they're building their connections to brands, the 50 plus market has grown into this behemoth market representing 35% of the country, 117 million people, and that's gonna grow to 132 million people by 2030. And I will tell you the first millennials turn 50 in 2030. This huge cohort, when you're 50, you have the possibility of living to be 90 if you're healthy. The kind of consumer that is emerging and has emerged as a 50 plus is significantly different. The culture is way ahead of brands and entertainment and institutions. And there's a lot of catch up that has to happen with regards to some of the ages approaches. From an institutional standpoint, what do you see as the main culprits here when you consider the purchasing cloud of the 50 plus crowd, the impact they're having? Yeah, well, you know, first of all, ageism is throughout the culture in every which way you want to look at it. It's sort of the last form of discrimination that exists in our culture. In a world of finally of a focus on DEI, which is so important, age is never 
recognized as part of that discussion. Only 8% of US companies include age in their DEI policy. Regardless of your gender, your race, your politics, your religion, your sexual orientation, age is a compound effect for those people in those cohorts. Institutionally, it exists in the culture, but it's being broken down by the people. In the advertising marketing world, there was always this institutional thinking that it should be younger people who are creating creative for advertising, for media, etc. Because at the time when that was created, they were reflecting the bulk of the consumers and the bulk of the population. Well, that's all changed. And once again, no one is saying that we shouldn't be targeting millennials and Gen Z. They're important. But when you look at the numbers, if you looked at the 50 plus market in this country alone, it would be the third largest country in the world in terms of GDP spending. $8.3 trillion expected to grow to 13 trillion by 2030. They're not brand loyal. They're not following the patterns. By the way, they're not targeted in a lot of the media construct of the old you know, 18 to 54 media buying construct. At 55 years old, they own 70% of the wealth in the country, and they are a very, very different kind of human being that ever existed. The institution is crumbling by the people who are actually in the cohort. Are you suggesting, Michael, that ad creative teams are stuck in some sort of time warp? Is it a kind of amnesia? Why is ageism still a socially accepted bias? It is a socially accepted bias. I think it gets back to this discussion of representation around the table. The industry has done a great job over the years of making sure that there were women sitting around the table, that there were people of color sitting around the table, that BIPOC is well represented around the table for authentic views of representation. But what happens with a lot of creative agencies and uh, media agencies is you don't have 50 plus people sitting around the table with representation to say, wait a minute, what you're thinking and what you're saying is a stereotype. It's a cliche. It's old news. And it's the same thing that women went through and people of color went through before they had the seat at the table. Having representation is key to be able to really bring a spotlight on what that new 50-year-old consumer is all about, because it's a radically different consumer. Do you think engaging relationships with the 50 plus market is the missing link? First of all, I mentioned that only 8% of companies include age as part of their DEI policy. But in the agency world, in the media world, what's so intriguing is only 5% of advertising is targeted to that age group. There have been a variety of surveys now, 55%, these are people 50 plus, 55% who say they are alienated by the old age stereotypes that they see in advertising. They're offended by them. They're outdated. They are not realistic images of people. And another survey of 1,000 people, 50 plus, said that their age group is underrepresented, misrepresented, and that 50% of them said they will avoid brands that are misrepresenting them. People are going to speak and respond in terms of what brands they think are really are really speaking to them. It is powerful stuff. And that's what makes this so puzzling, this uh, ageism that persists. So when we talk about fundamental change internally, 
to drive external change in terms of cultivating talent, building multi-generational teams that will help to inform more realistic advertising, more realistic messaging and engagement. Is the onus ultimately on the C-suite and upper management to support CMOs, brand managers, advertising directors to be the agents of change. CEOs and CFOs got their own problems to deal with ultimately in the sense of executing. In order for real change to happen, does the mandate have to come from the tippy top and then it's up to the brand managers and the CMOs to execute legitimate change? It definitely has to come from C-suite. C-suite has Many people who are in the cohort, Gen X, are already there. Many of the C-suite are already Gen X folks. And as I said, the millennials are coming up right behind them. The millennials are in their their mid-40s and are going to be 50. Here's what's fascinating is for the first time in history, you're going to have five generations in the workforce at the same time. We want to hear from what 23-year-olds think, but we also want to hear from what 53 and 63-year-olds think. Having intergenerational workforces is really a great model for the future. There's a group called CoGenerate. They're a nonprofit. They actually work on modeling this for companies. They're really a very good example of that. In one of my Esquire pieces, I was interviewing Bill Koningsberger, who is the founder of Horizon Media, and they have a very different approach to media. One of his comments was, we see a lot of 55-year-olds behaving like 35-year-olds, And we can't follow a demographic. We have to look at behavioral patterns, consumption patterns, and so forth. It's a different model. What are the syndicated research companies doing to say, how do you target a dynamic 60-year-old today as opposed to syndication, old programming, and evening news? They're watching Jack Ryan as well, and they're watching Netflix. What you just mentioned, very illuminating. What came to mind is Bobby De Niro doing that paycheck movie a few years ago called, oh, yeah. called, the, right. called the Intern. Right. I mean, are we looking at the intern writ large in a sense Is that where this needs to go in terms of embracing the gray? It's interesting you asked the question because I came across a company called Thinkerbell. It's a UK company and they have internships for 55 plus year olds. You have a lot of people who have been pushed out in the industry. The advertising industry is oftentimes aligned with the Silicon Valley, that when you're in your mid 40s, you're perceived as dumb. It's very hard to find creative directors that are over 50, 55, which is a huge miss. Bringing some of the amazing talent that has been in the industry, have their own companies, bringing them in, whether it's full-time employees or hybrid employees or working on projects, really brings a sharpened view for how you can target this new 50 plus. And once again, it should be intergenerational. And does that also suggest that companies, brand managers perhaps need to maybe not blow it up, but really dramatically expand their aperture when it comes to recruiting? Algorithms have keywords that based on the year that you put in your experience or your age or when you finish school or words like seasoned, you get spit out. You're not even under a consideration set. That has to be rethought through chief people officers and through recruiters. It's really a curse for anyone. And by the way, 
more and more people hit 50 in, in this country, unless that algorithm changes, everyone's going to have a problem. That has to be certainly a rethought. Some of the things that we just talked about in terms of this dramatically shifting and changing 50-year-old, we call them, in the book that I wrote, Roar, we call them the reimagineers. They are the age innovators who are the new kinds of 50, 60, 70-year-olds who are role models for each other. But I want to be able to have a 35-year-old look at a 60-year-old today and say, wow, that's the kind of 60-year-old I can be someday. I can mm -hmm. start a new career. I can go back to school. I can launch a business. That's an interesting role model for me. It really has a spill-down effect into the next generations. The analogy would be the women's movement did for many women in the 1970s. Today, a 25-year-old woman can be anything she wants to be. A lot of that was built on the backs of the women who came before them, who became CEOs and Supreme Court justices and senators. And previous to the women's movement, the culture had a very defined set of, quote unquote, jobs that women should pursue. And that was all blown up. So we want to blow up the 50 plus expectation. That would be my analogy in terms of the social movement we're in. Stay with us. We'll be right back. We now take a break for a brief message regarding ANA Newsstand. The ANA produces four in-house publications covering the latest developments and trends in B2C, B2B, brand purpose, and across the industry at large. With practical insights from leading brand marketers, agency partners, and industry experts, our publications are designed to give marketers the real-world intelligence they need to drive growth and boost their value. Find the publications at ana.net slash newsstand. And now back to our show. Welcome back. I'm speaking with Michael Clinton, special media advisor to the CEO of Hearst Corporation, about why brands continue to give the silver economy short shrift. Michael, you sort of touched on this earlier in the conversation, the media portrayals of those age 50 plus, negative about 28% of the time, often depicting them in isolated situations or as the recipients of care. You've seen these ads, they're, they're pretty pathetic. And that stat is according to Growing Older Better, which was a report released last year by Alive Ventures. My question is, why is there such a myopic view of aging? Don't ad copywriters have aging parents? I'm going to go back and cite another interesting study that your listeners and viewers will find intriguing. Hearst owns A&E Networks with Disney, it's a joint venture, as many of you know. They just did two years worth of amazing research. One of the components was an Amazon AI tool that looked at 20,000 television ads. And of those 20,000 television ads, one in 10 faces was over 50. One in 25 faces was over 50 and female. And I'm not even going to comment on how many faces over 50 were people of color or other groups that did not represent the Caucasian population. In situ, when you looked at the advertising, they were tech avoidant, stuck at home, walking down the beach, holding hands, petting their cat. I mean, the most outrageous, stereotypical misrepresentation. It's appalling. You saw that kind of representation of other groups who, where there had been a spotlight on diversity and equity. It would be an outrage. There is not an awareness of how dramatically different this 50 plus population looks like. 
They are tech savvy, they are fit, they are engaged, they are working longer, they are starting new businesses, they are dynamic, they are not, quote, retiring and playing golf and moving to a sunny state. Yeah, of course, some of them are. The big miss by many professionals in the business is reframing what this cohort looks like and how they behave, their psychographics and their behavior. And Falling back into stereotype is easy. And in filling that void, Michael, what is it? Is it that marketing teams just simply have to get out there more often and press the flesh? Is it that too many marketing and ad teams suffer from an inside-out mindset? We know best. We know what the market wants. We know how to execute on this creative to make it sing. Where are these voids? It gets back to default position. It gets back to let's default to sort of a stereotype representation. And then you don't have people around the table who can say that is a very inauthentic view of the world and take a look at it over here in this way. There are some sprouts that are happening. Shutterstock just unveiled 1,400 images of what is the new 50 plus consumer very different. And a lot of agencies use Shutterstock and use stock photos. And it's a great, it was a great initiative that they have just launched. In the entertainment space, there's a new studio in Hollywood that was just launched called Landline. They're only producing romantic comedies for the 50 plus market with 50 plus actors and actresses, because the research that they got from the streamers is there's not enough content that is creating an authentic connection with the new 50 plus Does it behoove consumer marketers to have a 50-plus SAR in-house? Last several years, we've got the chief strategy officer, the chief revenue officer. It's a great great idea, and I'll give you you two points on that. We're going to be producing something called the Roar Report, which is going to be a business intelligence tool for people to learn more about the 50-plus. And people can reach out to me on LinkedIn or michael at roarforward.com to learn more. But your model that you just described does exist. So a guy named Chip Conley, who came out of the hospitality business, was hired by Brian Chesky and team at Airbnb when they launched Airbnb. And you might, if you know the great Airbnb story, Brian was in his 30s when he launched Airbnb. Chip was hired as his modern elder. And so Chip not only brought wisdom about the hospitality world, because he had a whole large experience in that. But he was the go-to guy in the company for Brian and team to cross-check. And I thought when Chip told me the story, I thought it was a brilliant move on Brian's part because younger entrepreneurs who don't have the perspective yet, simply because they haven't lived the years yet, tapping into someone who not only knew the industry that they were in, but also knew the authentic voices. It's really interesting you mention Airbnb because they've got an ad out called Me and My Girlfriend. And the ad shows a couple who are clearly in their early 80s checking into an Airbnb. They're having their wine. They're uh, playing some board games. They're getting ready for a night on the town. They're into it. There is absolutely no reference that these are in any way enfeebled people. Right. They're active. They're ready to go. 
So Airbnb is a really salient example. And thanks for bringing that up, Michael. And I want to come back to your book, which is uh, I highly recommend it to our listeners to read, to get a better sense of what's going on here with the 50 plus crowd and with the, as Michael states in the book, roar into the second half of your life before it's too late. And in the book, Michael, you talk about that it's not unusual for 70-year-olds to lead intergenerational initiatives, especially as most companies refocus on the needs of people who are living longer and find themselves in talent wars for seasoned, experienced employees who understand the shifting landscape. So my question is, if companies understand intellectually the shifting landscape, why do we continue to see as you said earlier, a sort of default ad campaign in many respects. And this is somewhat of a general comment, but these ad campaigns that are targeting the 50 plus crowd, 70 is the new 40, 80 is the new 50 and so on. Doesn't the shifting landscape mean brands talking straight with seniors rather than offering ads with magical thinking? Not to mention that saying that 50 is the new 30 can be patronizing to both 50-year-olds and 30-year-olds? It goes back to this assumption that people that are 50 and older want to be chasing their youth. And that's not necessarily the case. And I'll, I'll give you an example. We looked at 25 luxury advertising campaigns this past spring. These were the most expensive $3,000, $4,000 handbags, uh, high-end fashion, etc., Every single campaign had someone who was around the age of 25. And only one campaign, Dolce & Gabbana, I'll give them a shout out, had uh, Sharon Stone, who is 64 years old and looks as a 64 is the new 64. And, you know, Sharon Stone represents that new 64 year old look. In doing some research, what we learned is that, you know, women who are 50 are not obsessed with wanting to look like a 25-year-old. They're more obsessed about wanting to be a vibrant, dynamic 50-year-old, and they want to see other women like them and show them in representations. That luxury advertising world are, are some of the worst offenders because they think that everyone wants to look like they're chasing their 25-year-old self. Quite honestly, the women who can afford to buy a $3,000 handbag are successful, seasoned, professional women who have a propensity for buying luxury products. She wants to connect to someone who she says, wow, this is my role models. The good news is you might be familiar with what Paulina, the model is doing. She's 57. Sure. Sure. You know, Gina, Gina Davis um, is, has a big initiative with women in Hollywood. A lot of women are leading the charge here about I'm 59. So what? Or this is what 60 can look like. You know, L'Oreal is a great brand that has celebrated women of all ages, and they have integrated them. Helen Mirren, who is, I think, in her late 70s, who's a spokesperson for L'Oreal and showcasing her. I mean, that's a great example because people want to be inspired and emulate Helen Mirren. I mean, she's still working. She's still dynamic. She's fit and all all the above. And so we've got a shift that everybody wants to be chasing their youth. Do you anticipate more ads touting intergenerational bonding? I'm thinking about recent ad campaigns from Bank of America and Vibro, in which you've got millennials and boomers and gen alphas sharing each other's company, having a good time where age isn't really a thing. The product being sold, being the conduit, of course, to everything. 
But again, it's that intergenerational vibe of, yeah. I don't care that you're 50. I don't care you're 30. We're having a good time. We're all in this together. We're all, we've all came from the same place. We're all going to the same place. And is that part of loosening the tissues here? I'll cite another great television ad that was done by Aetna. It was a 50 plus black guy who went onto the basketball court with a bunch of his, could have been his son and his grandson and a couple of neighbors and the kids. And they were all shooting hoops and having a great time and having fun and laughing and engaging with each other. Bingo. You know, that that's it. That's a great representation. It's a great intergenerational representation. It's a authentic representation. A great example, along with the ones that you cited, I thought one of the most brilliant advertisements in the last year was the Apple Watch campaign, where there's a bicyclist out in the woods and the bicyclist had fallen and had been injured you never saw the person's face. You had no idea how old the person was, but they were basically using their Apple Watch to SOS for recovery. And everyone can relate to that. You can relate to that if you're a 25-year-old cyclist or if you're a 65-year-old cyclist. Apple was genius in that they were showing it in the concept of a hiker who had had an accident and it wasn't about age. It was about the benefit of the product and everyone could relate to that. And so that's another way to go about doing it. So uh, it will take uh, all of about uh, five minutes for brand managers to go on Google and find some of these very salient examples yeah. and, where, and where things are really trending here. And as we start to wrap up, Michael, Paul Irving, a senior fellow at the Milken Institute and distinguished scholar and resident at the University of Southern California, Leonard Davis School of Gerontology. Wow, that's a mouthful. He told me uh, in a conversation we had, really good quote, the C-suite really needs to understand the potential of the new age demographic, change their thinking, and ultimately they will be well rewarded. Do marketers really understand the sense of urgency? What are the reasons for optimism when it comes to catering to the 50 plus crowd? And what are the really smart brands modeling? First of all, I think that many are still not focused on this in, in terms of the huge opportunity that exists within this cohort with regards to a rethink. As we said earlier, oftentimes 50 plus year olds or 54 plus year olds in the media construct are written off as not being dynamic consumers. They're already brand loyal. They're stuck in their ways. Their spending is going down. It's all the opposite. It's the exact opposite. Having that insight will serve brands very well. By 2050-ish, half the country is going to be in their 40s and older. This is not a short-term thing. This is going to be with us now for decades. And if you think about that 65-plus market, we've been talking 50-plus, but if you talk 65 and look at the kinds of dynamic 65-year-olds who might say to themselves, I'm healthy, I'm going to live at 25 more years. They are dynamic consumers and they have the assets and they have the wealth to spend. That is the big aha for the more enlightened brands who are seeing this. Not everyone is on board yet. Once again, the culture and the people are going to force this agenda because it's going to play out right in front of them. There are sprouts, but there's a long way to go. The economic reward is significant especially if people who are 50 plus feel that brands understand them and are connecting with them the right way. And, and once again, it's not going away. It's only going to compound on itself in the next decade or two. Very illuminating comments. Now I want to move to the lightning round question, which is 
What is the most important challenge facing CMOs right now? You could just pick one. The most important challenge is understanding the 50 plus market and how it's dramatically changed. And if you don't have the insights, get your team working on it. Reach out to me. I'm happy to have that conversation. There are lots of ways you can learn. This is a powerhouse group of people that are leading a new social movement in this country are going to have profound impact on consumer spending. And as I mentioned earlier on, they're already would be the third largest country in the world if they were a country based on GDP. This is just the 50 plus year olds in the US alone. It's a global phenomenon, I would add. It's happening in Japan and it's happening in the UK and Germany and most of the developed nations. Some of them are even older than our population, Japan being, being one of them. For global marketers, it is a global phenomenon as well as a U.S. phenomenon. Okay, it's a very sagely advice to end on. That's all the time we have for now. Michael, thanks so much. Matthew, great to be with you. Thanks for listening. Shout out to my guest, Michael Clinton, special media advisor to the CEO of the Hearst Corporation and former president and marketing and publishing director of Hearst Magazines. To learn more about how the 50-plus crowd is evolving and what it means for marketers, go to Roar by Michael Clinton. If you would like to recommend a guest or topic for a future episode, please email me at mschwartz at ana.net. And be sure to subscribe to Champions of Growth wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all for now. I'm Matthew Schwartz. Thanks for listening.